0: You're listening to a podcast by New Heights Church. We hope you're encouraged to glorify, grow, and go. I'm so grateful to be with you today and to be sharing with you from God's Word. Uh, I want to congratulate you as a church on 10 years of ministry in your community and beyond. I'm so grateful for your pastors. Um, Will has been a dear friend now for a number of years, and I appreciate uh, just his genuineness. You know that about him already, but he's just very real, and uh, it's very been very diligent in leading you. And I'm thankful for his friendship and for his investment in you, and grateful for your other pastors and church leaders, and for you as a church, because it takes a body of believers uh, to make things happen. It doesn't rise and fall on one person or even a small group of people. It's the entire body of believers moving things forward and being used of God to be faithful. And it has been such a blessing for Cross Lanes Baptist Church to be a small part of this. Uh, we have prayed for you. Uh, we have reported on things that have taken place here in Milton. And we've been thankful to see the work uh, multiply and continue to grow. And we know that God has great things for the future as well. So I want to pray for you, and then I'm going to get into the Word together with you in just a moment. Let's pray together. Father, we've come today for one reason, and that is to honor and worship you, and to lift up the name of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Our hope is in Him. We thank you for the privilege we have to gather with the body of believers, and uh, worship, and uh, to hear about this uh, vacation Bible school that happened last week, and just to see the life that is evident in this church. Father, you've brought them a long way and now they want to continue to carry on with the work and the mission you've called them to. And I pray that by the truth of your word and the power of your spirit and the faithfulness of your people, that that would be a reality. We ask now, Lord, that you would bless us through your word. Holy Spirit, be our teacher in these moments and help us to draw closer to you as a result of it, God, and we ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. I've entitled the message today, Remember Jesus Christ. And our text is from 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 8 through uh, 13. And we'll read that here in just a moment. But as a church, you are remembering. You're remembering where you've come from. You're thinking back with stories and Uh, memories of things that God has done and ways that he has blessed. And you're doing it with the intention of not just remembering what happened in the past, but leveraging those things and what God is doing in the present to take you into the future for even greater things for the glory of God. And I think it's incredibly important for a church to remember because the local body of Christ is never static. It's always dynamic. When we step into God's will, we're not stepping into a reservoir, we're stepping into a fast-moving river, and things are constantly changing, moving, and progressing. And our past, our present, and our future are directly connected to those memories and to that foundation that we have as a body of believers. We want to pay attention to what we remember as a church, because biblically, memory Corrects uh, connects us to those things and makes sure that we're on a correct course for the future and not just going the way that we want to go. Now, as you've already learned in your study in 2 Timothy, uh, by the time the Apostle Paul wrote his second letter to Timothy, the young pastor had been serving the church at Ephesus for several years. It had been a few years since uh, they had received the first letter, and Timothy had been a faithful servant during that time frame, and he had been alongside Paul, you remember, on his second and his third missionary journeys, and they served in Ephesus as a part of what became the third missionary journey. And as you have noted in your study, uh, Paul wrote this letter uh, from a Roman prison cell. His death was approaching He didn't know exactly when it was going to take place, but he was in a difficult place. And we find Paul essentially settling his accounts and making preparations. And he's getting ready for whatever the Lord is going to do through his life. And he knew that things weren't going to get any easier for Timothy or for the church or for himself. So he sends a message of encouragement. And that message of encouragement is persevere in the faith and proclaim the good news about Jesus. It's the same message that we receive today, to persevere in the faith and to proclaim the good news about Jesus. That's a great focus for us as we remember Jesus Christ. So let's begin reading here in verse 8, and this is what the Bible says. Remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead the offspring of David, as preached in my gospel, for which I am suffering, bound with chains as a criminal. But the word of God is not bound. Therefore I endure everything for the sake of the elect, that they also may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. The saying is trustworthy, for if we have died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure we will also reign with him. If we deny him, he will also deny us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. Leading up to these verses, Paul uses three examples by way of illustration to point us to people of faithfulness in different roles. He uses the soldier who cannot afford to be distracted. He has to focus on the one to whom he is answering and on the mission that he's been called to. He uses also an athlete. And an athlete has to compete according to the rules if they don't want to be disqualified. And then he uses a farmer. And a farmer is in a position of being diligent and looking with an eye toward the future about what's going to be produced in his crops. But he gives us all of those examples not to stop there but to set up the ultimate example. And the ultimate example is Jesus Christ. And that's why he tells us remember Jesus Christ because Jesus Christ is the ultimate example of faithfulness. And this phrase is the only imperative in the section, meaning that it is in the form of an authoritative command but with a continuous nature to it. So Jesus as the Savior is the ultimate example of faithfulness and we remember what he's done in his finished work, but we continue to remember what he is doing through the Word and the Spirit. And he says Jesus the Savior was raised from the dead. He was raised from the dead and is the living Savior. Now his death and resurrection authenticated his identity, and it also authenticated the gospel message. It spoke of his power. And the verb tense here indicates that he was raised from the dead in the past, and even so, he continues now as the risen one. So this is a completed action of the finished work of the cross and the power of the resurrection. But even now, he is the risen Savior who is living, having been raised from the dead in the past and continuing now as the risen Savior. He notes also that Jesus the Messiah was the offspring of David, meaning that he fulfilled the Davidic covenant and the promise that a descendant of David would reign forever. And he will return in his timing and at the will of the Father as the conquering king who will rule over the nations. So this idea of remembering Jesus Christ is the same idea that we find in Hebrews of fixing our eyes on him, of giving him the attention that he deserves, of attributing the worth to him that he inherently possesses, and bringing glory to him through that. Now he says the phrase, as preached in my gospel also, that's similar to what Paul wrote to the church at Corinth in the Kerygma, or in the heart of the gospel, in 1 Corinthians 15, 3 and 4, Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. This is the gospel, that God sent his one and only son into this world to seek and to save the lost, that God took on flesh and dwelt among us, that he lived a perfect life That he fulfilled the law of God as no man could do. That he willingly gave himself as a substitution for us. That he died in our place. The one who knew no sin became sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. That he was buried in a borrowed tomb. And then on the third day, he rose from the dead. And he today is the living Savior. And we remember him because he's the focus. He's the one to whom all our attention should be focused. So I want to show you several aspects of what it means to be in a position to remember Jesus Christ. First, when you remember Jesus Christ, know that you can trust in the power of the Word of God. You can trust in the power of the Word of God. Paul indicated in verse 9 that he was suffering. He was bound in chains as a criminal. Now. He knew full well the reality of suffering, and his suffering was connected directly to his faithfulness in the gospel. And the word that he uses here uh, as a criminal, he refers to himself in that way, is a strong one. And it's a term that was used for murderers and thieves and traitors. And he's basically saying, listen, I am in a serious situation here. I am in a situation that I have gotten myself into specifically for the preaching of the gospel. So this isn't because Paul had done anything from a worldly perspective to deserve this. It's not because he had done anything dumb that would have brought him into that position, but rather because he was preaching the Word of God. And here he was in chains, treated terribly, leading up to this, nearly every city that he had gone to, He had been imprisoned or he had suffered persecution. He had been kidnapped and beaten and threatened and arrested uh, on numerous occasions and interrogated and ridiculed and shipwrecked and even bitten by a viper. I mean, the man had seen it all. And yet he says, the reason that I am where I am is because I've been preaching the gospel, because I've been preaching the word of God. Have you ever been in a storm that was so significant that you lost your bearings? That you didn't know which direction for sure that you were headed in? Well, you know that we've had a very stormy summer uh, this year, and we've had some pretty bad storms. And I was on the interstate here recently in the middle of one of those storms that kind of came up quickly, and all of a sudden it started raining so hard that I could hardly see in front of me. And you know it's chaos when it starts to happen because there's some people that don't know what to do, so they start trying to pull over to the side of the road, and they get in their people's way. I'm sorry if you're one of those people, but at any any rate, they pull over to the side of the road, and they're causing chaos in front. And then you got other people that just slow down till, till they're barely even moving. And then you got other people that they're driving like it's just a normal sunny day, and they're zooming past. And it's easy to lose your bearings. So what I did was I started looking ahead of me just trying to figure out, Who was ahead of me and what was happening in front of me? And I was able to get my eyes on a vehicle that was a little bit further out in front of me, and I kind of just kept my distance until finally we came to the edge of that storm and it cleared, and I was able to see where I was going. I share that with you because the Word of God has that effect in our lives. Our own decisions sometimes cause us to lose our bearings. Uh, Sometimes, Decisions of other people around us cause us to lose our bearings. We might lose our way. But the Word of God shows us the direction that we're to go in. And the power of the Word of God is evident uh, in our time of suffering, and I should probably say especially in our time of suffering. Listen to what Paul writes in Romans 5, in verse 3 through 5. He said, We rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not put us to shame. So I think Paul's statement here in verse 9 is a statement of hope. He says, I am bound with chains as a criminal. Now, if ever there were a moment that he could have sunk into a pity party this would have been the moment. But there is not even a hint of that in his words. And he says, the word of God is not bound. So he's given us a comparison. He said, listen, I'm bound like a criminal. I'm in chains. But the word of God is not bound. There was a famous uh, painting that depicted young Martin Luther, the reformer, uh, pouring over a copy of scripture in the morning light. The dawn shone through the lattice, illuminating the Bible and also Luther's eager face. A broken chain hung from the Bible, and that broken chain illustrated that the Word of God cannot be chained. It cannot be held back. Whether we're suffering or in difficulty or even in chains, the Word of God cannot be held back. The Word of God will give us our bearings and give us the power to move forward forward. The late Chuck Colson wrote a piece on this, and and I really like in part what he says. He says, the Bible has been banned, burned, and beloved. It's been more widely read and more frequently attacked than any other book in, in history. Generations of intellectuals have attempted to discredit it. Dictators of every age have outlawed it and executed those who read it. Yet soldiers carry it into battle, believing it to be more powerful than their weapons. Fragments of it smuggled into solitary prison cells have transformed ruthless killers into gentle saints. Did you know that today the Bible is banned or severely restricted in 52 nations? But even though it is banned or severely restricted in those 52 nations, it cannot be bound Isaiah 40 and verse 8 says, The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God stands forever. Isaiah 55 and verse 11 says, So shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty or void, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose. and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. The word of God will always accomplish the will of God. God is always going to do what he says he's going to do. And this word is true. And all of this underscores the fact that it is vital for a church to believe the word of God, to proclaim and study the word of God, to live the word of God, and to share the word of God. God's word can no more be chained than God himself can be chained. And you think about the incredible access that we have to the Word of God today around the world. In Paul's day, they had to share epistles by carrying those letters physically from place to place. Or perhaps the scrolls of uh, the Old Testament were shared from place to place. And even when the printing press came about, those things had to be physically shared. And today, we have instant access to the Word of God at any time of the day in virtually any part of the world through technology. But the question is, are we taking that for granted? Are we living as a people who are privileged to trust in the power of the Word of God? History tells the story of many once great churches that were filled to capacity, that heard the Word of God preached consistently. And yet, somewhere along the way, they fell by the wayside. Now, I understand there are any number of reasons why that might be the case. But I'll tell you, I think there's one common reason that we could point to. They all lost their bearings on the Word of God. And at some point, they began to ask, did God really say? That is a question that has been asked since the Garden of Eden. And all kinds of things contrary to the Word of God became permissible and tolerated and even celebrated. And no church is immune to this. So know this. The strength of New Heights Church in the future will directly correlate with your trust in the power of the Word of God. It'll be a direct correlation. And if you stay strong in that, then God will keep you strong in His Word And use you as you carry on. Second, when you remember Jesus Christ, know that you can endure in the assurance of salvation from God. Look now to verse 10. Therefore I endure everything for the sake of the elect, that they also may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. He says, I endure everything. This word endure is used in the New Testament to indicate perseverance in the faith. Here was Paul who modeled a risk-taking steadiness, a consistency, regardless of what came his way as a result of it. And he was willing to endure anything. He was all in. Why? Well, he tells us, for the sake of the elect. You see, Paul's love for God was measured in part by his love for God's people for the sake of the elect. He was willing to endure and to be steadfast under for the sake of the elect. And your love for God as individuals and as a church is measured in part by your love for people. And here's what Paul knew. He knew that God was going to finish what he had started in these people And he knew that God was going to use the gospel to draw other people into his family. And it was certain because God said it. Now, our statement of faith that we follow says this about the doctrine of election. Election is the gracious purpose of God according to which he regenerates, justifies, sanctifies, and glorifies sinners. It is consistent with the free agency of man and comprehends all the means... In connection with the end. It is the glorious display of God's sovereign goodness and is infinitely wise and unchangeable. It excludes boasting and it promotes humility. Let me give you this in a statement that I think will connect and resonate with you. Salvation is of God and from God from the beginning to the end. We take no credit for it. We lay no claim to it other than what God has given us as a gift. And God uses the gospel proclaimed to us through the quickening of the Holy Spirit and the conviction that God brings to our lives, and He makes us new. He regenerates us by grace through faith. It is all of God. So when we talk about enduring in the assurance of salvation from God... We're not talking about enduring and being strong in ourselves. Sometimes the gospel is preached that way. as almost as if Jesus is our therapist, or somehow it's a try harder, do better kind of gospel. It's a pull yourself up by your bootstraps kind of gospel. And there is none of that here. This is all what God has done on our behalf so that we would boast only in Christ and Him crucified. Preceding these verses, back in verse 8 and 9, uh, in chapter 1, Paul writes, Therefore do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share in suffering for the gospel by the power of God, who saved us and called us to a holy calling, listen to this, not because of our works, but because of his own purpose of grace, which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began. He says that they may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus here in our passage before us today. So Paul was willing to endure anything so that people would obtain salvation in Jesus. And this speaks to the need for the church to be faithful with the gospel and evangelism. And as a church, you're strong in the word, but you're also strong in the gospel and in the power of God into salvation. Uh, for the Jew first and also for the Gentile. You believe that. And you've made a difference here in this community around you. And you've made a difference to the ends of the earth because you believe that God is gathering a family to himself and that you're privileged and blessed to be a part of that work and faithfulness with the gospel. And he will continue to use you in the future if you will continue to focus on what he is doing through his son Jesus. Listen to what Paul writes in Romans chapter 10 and verse 13 and following. He said, For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But then he asks a very important question. How then will they call on Him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in Him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, How beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. New Heights Church, you've got beautiful feet when you preach the good news. And you want to be faithful in that. Don't let up. You keep sharing your faith, whether it's received well initially or not. That's not up to you. What's up to you is whether or not you're going to be faithful with the gift that you have received and freely share it with others and boldly share it with others. He makes a reference here also to salvation with eternal glory. The unstoppable Word of God means that we can endure in the assurance of salvation from God, but we know that God will bring us to eternal glory. That what God has started in us, God is going to finish in us. And the assurance of salvation from God provides the benefit of fellowship with Jesus Christ in the present and the assurance that you can have in Him because God is faithful and He's called you into fellowship with His Son, Jesus Christ. But the assurance of salvation from God provides the benefit also of eternal glory with Jesus Christ in the future. So that means that eternal life by its very nature is received now as a gift, but it's without end. So God is growing you and he's conforming you and he's making you more like Jesus. And through that assurance of salvation, the fellowship that you have with the Lord is going to draw you closer and closer to Him and take you all the way to eternal glory. Now, I think it's interesting here, uh, the reference to eternal glory. I I think it's actually the same uh, reference, in intent at least, of the weight of glory that Paul wrote about in 2 Corinthians 4 and verse 17. And he says this, he says, For this light momentary affliction is preparing us Uh, For an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. Now, I want to pause just for a moment. Let's think about what Paul's saying here. Uh, He had been through it all. The man had been stoned and drug out of a city. Uh, He had been beaten. He had been falsely accused of all sorts of things. He had been through it all. He had been through a thousand times more stuff than probably most of us will ever experience. And he refers to that level of suffering as a light, momentary affliction. How could he do that? He's making a comparison. He said, listen, if you want to look to what's coming in the weight of glory, if you want to look to what's coming in eternity for believers, and then you want to compare that to whatever you're going through right now, it is a light, momentary affliction affliction. And it's not going to last very long compared to what God has in store for you. C.S. Lewis wrote his book, The Great Divorce, and it's a fictional work about heaven and hell. And in it, one character says this in part, All the loneliness, angers, hatreds, envies, and itchings that this world contains If rolled into one single experience and put into the scale against the least moment of the joy that is felt in heaven, would have no weight that could be registered at all. On the one side we have a vapor, and on the other side we have the weight and the value of glory and eternity. You know what my struggle is sometimes, and I I guess that uh, some of you are the same way, I get wrapped up in day-to-day life. I get worried about whatever issue I'm dealing with at the moment, or I get caught up in whatever season of life I might be in, and that's all I can think about, and I kind of lose sight of the things that are to come. And it's helpful to come back to that focus and to remember Jesus Christ, because you can remember that no matter what it is that you're dealing with now, it's going to be like a feather on the scale compared to what God has for you eternally. And I wonder today, are you investing your life in things that are focused on the assurance of salvation in Christ Jesus with eternal glory? Jesus doesn't say, come and follow me, and it's going to be easy. He says, come and follow me, and it will be worth it, the Bible tells us, both now and in the end. So know this, the strength of New Heights Church in the future will directly correlate with your faithfulness in the gospel. Both in your own life, in the assurance that you rest in, and in your sharing it with others. And then third and finally, when you remember Jesus Christ, know that you can be encouraged by the trustworthiness of the promises of God. Verse 11, he says, the saying is trustworthy. Now I think he uses that phrase because he's likely quoting... From an early Christian hymn that would have been familiar to the people or maybe even an early creed that uh, believers would have recited. And that's why he introduces it as a trustworthy saying or statement because it already existed. It's like the preacher that says, someone once said, uh, or you are referring to something? You may not be exactly sure who said it or when it was said, but you know it was said and you know it's important. And that's why he introduces it this way. And he's using it to state the truth. Now, you'll see here that he also uses what's called synonymous parallelism, where the second line repeats the same concept as the first to make the point, often by way of uh, similarity, sometimes by way of contrast, but he's doing it for emphasis. So what are these statements that he makes? If we have died with him, we will also live with him. The Bible speaks of dying with Jesus in two ways. One is when we recognize that our old life ended with Jesus on the cross, that we have been crucified with Christ, and it's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So that's the moment that our salvation begins. And then the other sense that it is used in is in the sense of, us being willing to pay the price for following Jesus, our level of commitment and surrender to follow Jesus. And of course he's referring to the first uh, because that's the foundation, but he's speaking in a continual way and he's speaking, I think, more about the second way of our dying with Christ and living with him. Even if we die with him, we aren't dead. We are more alive than we've ever been. And Jesus gives us resurrection life now, and he also gives us resurrection life to come. So sometimes we get caught up in in uh, almost a decisional mentality about the gospel, and we think, well, I, I took this step of faith, I prayed this prayer, I made this commitment, God saved me, and that's what we remember and that's about the extent of what we remember. And of course that's important because there must be some sort of starting point in our Christian life where we repent and believe in the gospel and follow Jesus. But there should be a continual following of Jesus that doesn't gain our salvation, but it evidences our salvation. It's the fruit of the fact that we have believed. And he says this is important. And then he says if we endure we will also reign with Him. So the present difficulty or trial that we may be facing is worth enduring, and the reward is greater than what we could ever gain by quitting, because we will rule and reign with Jesus Christ. So here's what some of y'all need to hear today. You're caught up in the midst of whatever it is that you're dealing with. Maybe it's a personal spiritual crisis, and you're wondering, is it worth carrying on? Or maybe you're in some type of relational crisis in your home, and you're wondering, is it worth carrying on? Or maybe you're dealing with some type of extended family issue or financial burden or some other crisis in your life, and you're wondering, is it worth carrying on? And I'm here to tell you today that it's worth it. And it's worth it because Jesus is worth it. And the way that you're going to endure and the way that you can be encouraged is by the trustworthiness of the promises of God. Your future is predicated on the promises of God. It's not going to be by how hard you try or how smart you are or how creative you are or anything else. It's going to be because God keeps you and because God finishes in your life what He started. So you can be encouraged today because these promises are trustworthy. But then He gives us a word of warning. If we deny Him he will also deny us. If we deny the person of Jesus and what he has done and what he commands us to do, he will deny us. Matthew 10 and verse 33 says, but whoever denies me before men, him I will also deny before my Father who is in heaven. This is a sad declaration for the likes of some who are going to be noted a little bit further into 2 Timothy. And I want you to know that the stakes are high. And this calling we've been called to is important. And then he says, if we are faithless, He remains faithful. Now I think this could refer from one perspective to judgment because those who are faithless are certainly going to be judged. God could not deny His holy character. God is a just God. So therefore He's going to deal with these situations. But then it could refer from another perspective To God holding us even when we fail. That all who are saved will endure to reign with the Lord because of the faithfulness of God. Why? Because he cannot deny himself. And what that's telling us is that the faithfulness of God is rooted deeply in his character. And his character is unchanging. Let me say it to you this way. Who God is now is who God has been from eternity past. And who God is now is who God will be for eternity future. He is unchanging. There is no shadow of turning with Him. And He cannot be untrue to His own nature. I love the way the saintly pastor Samuel Rutherford put this. He spent several years in prison himself in a place called Aberdeen. And he wrote this many years ago. He said... Often and often, I have in my folly torn up my copy of God's covenant with me. But blessed be his name. Blessed be his name. He keeps it in heaven safe and he stands by it always. This is an amazing truth that God cannot be untrue to his own nature and he will not deny himself. So, how are we going to make it through? By the faithfulness of God. How are we going to get through the storm? By the faithfulness of God. How are we going to cross over from this life into the next someday and see our Savior face to face? By the faithfulness of God. And we are remembering Jesus Christ because He's the one who has guaranteed this for us. And one commentator said, Our faithlessness cannot in any way detract from the Son of God in His glory, as He is all-sufficient in Himself, he does not need our confession. It is as if Paul has said, let everyone who wants to desert Christ desert him. They will take nothing from him. For when they perish, Christ remains unchanged. So know this, the strength of New Heights Church in the future will directly correlate with your confidence in the trustworthiness of the promises of God. And I close with this. God is always faithful. He's always faithful. He's faithful to his word. He's faithful to his people. He's faithful to his promises. But here's something else I know by way of experience. It's sometimes easier to start something than it is to sustain it. Have you noticed there are a lot of people, especially in our society, that just they just quit a lot of stuff. They get tired of it and they quit it. Maybe they even quit their family or they quit something important. Why is that? Because it's easier to start something than it is to finish it and sustain it. But when we trust in God, He will be faithful and He will remain faithful to New Heights Church. And I want to encourage you in that. As a church family, Cross Crosslands Baptist Church just celebrated uh, 63 years of uh, our anniversary uh, back in the spring. And... I remember hearing the story from some of the early founders, all of but one are now with the Lord, uh, and she's no longer uh, able to be a part of our church family, and God took her in a different direction some years ago. She just celebrated her 100th birthday. But at any rate, I remember hearing those stories, and and they would tell, and and I remember her telling specifically at our 50th anniversary, of how there were... A few people, a handful of families, back in the late 1950s, 1958, and they saw a need for a church in Cross Lanes. So they began to pray and began to gather and had a Bible study in a home together. And then eventually, uh, this small group of families were willing to lay it all on the line to see that church started. These were not people of great means, but they were willing to lay their own homes. On the line as a guarantee for the first property that they purchased that our church now sits on. And I think back to that level of commitment, and then I think to 10 years ago when God gave your leadership the vision that He did, and how there were a handful of people who were willing to make that full commitment to say, We want to see what God is doing. But I want you to know this it wasn't just that small group of families in 1959 that made that commitment it was the people that endured in 1969 and 79 89 and 99 and 2019 and even up to the present day and remember what i told you i of the message today that the will of god is not a reservoir it's a river and we step into that fast flowing river and what you need today to carry on into the future as a church is to celebrate those stories of your founding be thankful to god and recall what he's done to bring you to this point And I'm gonna tell you what you really need right now is you need to remember Jesus Christ. And you need to know that if this church flourishes in the future, it will be because he's exalted at the center of it all. That his name is glorified above anything else. That we're thankful for where God's brought us from, but we've got a vision of where God is gonna take us in the future. And that's what you need to do is believe that what God has done with you is not the end of the story. If Jesus tarries his coming, this is only the beginning. And God will use what he started here as you carry on. He will use it for even greater glory. But what he needs is a people who are willing to say yes to him and to say, Jesus, you are worthy of it all. And we're going to follow you faithfully. And we're going to trust you with whatever you want to do through that. We hope you enjoyed the podcast. To learn more about New Heights Church or a relationship with Christ, please visit our website at www.newheightswv.com.